And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully, you guys had a great weekend. Um, yeah, big show today. Uh, I had my friend uh, Nate Madden from The Blaze on. Always good talking to Nate. We, uh, we covered a lot of ground. We talked about uh, the President of the United States' Twitter storm calling out the city of Baltimore, Maryland. <laughs> we talked about this horrible, ridiculous uh, spending bill that's about to be signed by the President as well. Um, yeah, real bad, real bad news on that front. Uh, we talked about the aftermath of the Mueller testimony last week and, and all that stuff. So yeah, all that and more. Um, uh, I think you guys will like it. Before I get to my chat with Nate, uh, guys, follow us on Twitter at NoGimmicksPod. And if you haven't already, I don't know what's wrong with you, but if you haven't already, please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play. If you're on iTunes, please give us a five-star rating and a good review. I'd really appreciate that. And if you're interested in uh, getting involved and supporting the show, we are on Patreon. Um, you can support us over there, uh, patreon.com slash Podcast. All right, without further ado, here's my chat with Nate Madden. <laughs> All right, guys, we're here with Nate Madden from The Blaze. Nate, thanks so much for coming on, my friend. Happy to be on here. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So uh, you, you cover Congress uh, for Blaze Media. Um, obviously, uh, Congress is off work uh, actually, at the end of this week for about a month and a half. So yeah. what the hell are you going to be doing with yourself for a month and a half? Um, watching things as they develop on the campaign trail, which is, it's. I mean, on the one hand, you don't have nearly as much work to do and you're not having to run around after 400 you know 535 people on the other hand it's it's almost nothing but campaign news and it's it's kind of like purgatory yeah <laughs> sounds very boring man <laughs> sounds very boring um all right let's start with the big news of the day um you know go back five years and uh try to explain to somebody in, in you know 2014 that this would be the big news story of the day but President Trump is calling out the city of Baltimore on Twitter so that, <laughs> that's just just Baltimore generally you know, so, uh, so that's the news of the day. Baltimore. You're right. Specifically West Baltimore. Uh, so he sent a series of tweets attacking the city and the crime raid and, and their congressman, Elijah Cummings, who is a, an awful, hard left, corrupt member of Congress. Um, and of course, since Cummings is black and the majority of people in West Baltimore are black, now Trump's racist again, I guess. Um, your thoughts overall. You know, the man said absolutely nothing about the guy's race. No. Yeah, is absolutely. Like, here's the thing: if if Elijah Cummings were 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 you know the same age from the same guy, you know the same guy, same you know same age, same color, sitting on the same same committee as as a Republican, you know, wouldn't have said anything. This is this is you know it's a partisan attack more far more than it is anything about race. You don't see you don't see Trump going after black conservatives just just instinctively. You know, this is and let's be completely honest about West Baltimore. If you if you read the Capitol Hill uh, brief newsletter that I put out every morning, you know, we've got a rundown of all the stuff that actually backs that up. You've had, you know, even former Mayor Pew, the one who was chased out of office for that whole graft deal on the children's books. She she went September 2018. She went with Fox 45 down out to West Baltimore. I think her exact words were we need to tear all of this S word down. 
oh, Lord Jesus, you can actually smell the dead animals. <laughs> um, Bernie Sanders in 2015, uh, the first time he ran for president, visited West Baltimore and said, uh, you know, I thought I was in a third world country. All right. That neither one of those were decried as racist. But for, however, when Donald uh, Trump comes along a few years later and points out that West Baltimore is rough, that it is dirty, that it is dangerous, that 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 becomes that becomes racism. You know, it's just it, it's an absurd level of orange man bad. And I'm not saying the man can do no wrong, not saying, you know, but if your if your level of Trump hatred has you fixing bayonets and digging in and, and jumping in a foxhole to try to defend West Baltimore's crime problem, <laughs> you're gone, man. You're over the rainbow. All right. Yeah. I mean, Trump didn't say anything incorrect at all. I, I believe the uh, the crime rate in, in Baltimore is 155 percent higher than the national average, the violent crime rate. Something so like that I think uh, my buddy Daniel Horowitz over at, at Conservative Review, he ran the numbers against the three major. So the three major Central American countries behind the current asylum crisis, Baltimore's per capita crime rate is higher than every single one of those three countries. Oh, my goodness. The highest oh one goodness. is El Salvador, which is basically just a cartel state at this point. Baltimore has a higher per capita, per capita homicide rate than the nation of El Salvador. That's that just shameful. And uh, Al Sharpton, um, the lovely Al Sharpton, jumped in and attacked Trump and called him a racist. So Trump responded by attacking Sharpton, uh, saying that he hates whites and he hates cops, which is inarguably true. I mean, this is like, like objectively we've seen true. The things that Al Sharpton has said throughout his career. All right. Yeah, I mean, th these things are not arguable. Uh, show me the lie in any of Trump's tweets. I, obviously, I'm not a big fan of Trump's Twitter. I wish he'd calm down a little bit. But everything he said was objectively true. And, and he plays this magic trick on the left. He gets him to defend the indefensible. So, like, if Trump wants... I mean, Trump wants it to be a war between himself and Al Sharpton and Baltimore's crime rate. I mean, Trump wins that battle every time. And the Democrats, all the Democrats running for president, they're defending Al Sharpton. They're defending the city of Baltimore. Trump wins that fight. Like, he's baiting these people into doing it, and they are stepping on this rake over and over. I guess one of the things that, like, I, I can't... I. As much heartburn as the as I get on the momentary instance that I realize that the president's Twitter is in the news again, just from the the sheer knee-jerk reaction of what the hell is the cycle going to be for the next three days as we argue about this, I mean, the results of from the last two Trump Twitter stories, making Nancy Pelosi cozy up to the four far-left House radicals that she was fighting just 24 hours before, um, and thus, you know, further, you know, associating herself with uh, her party's far-left wing, that... I mean, the effects of that are, are undeniable. And then we're going to have the effects here. You're going to see an entire political party and, and a political movement jump on and try to make the case that stating the facts about West Baltimore's crime and sanitation problems is somehow racist. Right. It, it makes absolutely <laughs> no sense. It makes absolutely no sense. And like, like Trump is never going to be like Ronald Reagan, whose approval numbers would hit the high 50s, low 60s on occasion. Yeah. Like Trump is going to be a mid 40s president i mean if whether he's in office for four years or eight years i i don't ever see his approval rating hitting 50 percent. i just think his temperament the way he, he talks about people it's just not going to happen but the democrats are so awful he can still wipe the floor with them potentially like could trump beat joe biden head to head maybe maybe not but can he beat the crap out of joe biden if he ties joe biden to ilhan omar Yes. Totally. Like, can he beat? Absolutely. Yeah. Like, can he beat Liz Warren straight up? Maybe. Maybe not. Can he beat Liz Warren 
if he ties Liz Warren to Al Sharpton? You bet your ass he can. And the Democrats, they're just so stupid, man. And they're falling for this trick over and over. It's like, yeah, and the, the broad coalition is we hate Trump. They're united in their Trump hatred. But, you know, the, the people who actually have any prospect of putting up a challenge in 2020 are united the people that are going to sink it. And we're all just so blinded by by hatred of, of a single politician here. It, I, I, I can't say it's astounding anymore. It used to be. I can't say that it's that it blows my mind. I've just gotten so jaded at this point. There's just so much stupid that ends up reacting to these things. It, it just, just there's zero tactics, zero forethought. It's just, it's, it's Pickett's charge on every single thing the president says, regardless, regardless of what's over the hill. Regardless of how benign or how inarguably true it may be. So, right. Look, obviously it is ridiculous and stupid what the Democrats are doing regarding Trump's Twitter. Let's talk about something else stupid. And that, uh, that's your beat. Nate, um, Congress, um, they're they're bringing the stupid hard right now. Yeah, I'm actually also. Blaze Media's. Uh, yeah, I'm a what is a senior stupid correspondent at this, this point. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, senior stupid correspondent. So, look, lately bipartisanship in general typically means government is up to something awful. <laughs> you know, yeah, bipartisanship like, basically means your 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 wallet's about to get tag teamed. Yeah, yeah, your 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 wallet's about to get gang banged, or uh, we're about to invade a country full of brown people again for no reason. I mean, that's, a, that's typically the only Which two things that are with your wallet getting gang banged. Yeah, yes, exactly. It does always end up with your wallet um, getting hammered. Um, so look, man, uh, this insane, asinine spending bill that is receiving, of course, bipartisan support on Capitol Hill, um, raising the debt ceiling once again. Uh, it adds over three hundred billion in new spending in the next year. I'm just absolutely ridiculous. How the hell, why the hell is Trump going to sign this? Is this the death of the Tea Party movement officially? I mean, I, I, I'm old enough to remember when hundreds of congressmen were elected based on uh, wanting to cut spending. Uh, there's a handful I mean, of guys that still care. I mean, Rand Paul still cares, Mike Lee, you know, like a Jim Jordan, Thomas Massey. There's a handful but man, it seems like the tea, that movement that elected all these Tea Party guys is officially over. I uh, I don't I, I think the, the describing the Tea Party as dead is a little bit charitable for what has happened to that movement. Right. Um, it was beaten unconscious by the wave of scam packs and hucksters that came about long about like twenty like twenty twelve through like the twenty fifteen era, where you know like everybody all of a sudden had like a Tea Party related scam pack. Um. They beat they beat the Tea Party unconscious and put it in the coffin, and we've just seen successive nail after nail uh, on the coffin. I don't know if this is the final nail or if this is, is uh, us putting the the unconscious you know the unconscious Tea Party in the coffin to bury it alive. I, I don't know because uh, I haven't fully developed this metaphor, but that's basically what we've got here. You've got the dismantling of the the crown jewel of the Tea Party wave in 2010, which is the Budget Control Act. You know there are no more there's no longer the threat of sequesters to, to force people in Congress to try to deal with their spending addiction. We no longer have the, you know, we're blowing out the the spending, the spending caps, the debt ceiling and everything else for two years to, you know, just for two straight years of unmitigated, which is what we're going to see. Once you take those constraints off, you're going to see every Democrat and Republican establishmentarian on all these big spending committees lose their friggin' mind because they finally have gotten, they, they finally have the opportunity to spend as much as they actually want to deep down. And they're going to go absolutely nuts. And of course the Republicans are going to, 
they're they're going to do this. They're going to get away or try to get away with this by throwing a lot more money at the Pentagon, which is what Republican establishmentarian politicians love to do. Is that when they let Democrats go nuts on domestic spending, they demand equal stuff for the Pentagon, so that we can say they're so they can say they're supporting the troops. And then you can't be against it unless you want to be against the troops, right? And so you end up using the defenders of this republic as loincloths for all your just raging irresponsibility and the fact that you don't have any fight left to cut spending. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty depressing, man. It's pretty depressing. Yeah, no, yeah this is, this is I, I do. The more depressing I hate the, part, the more depressing part about this is this is not appropriations, right? So we're talking just right. about the about the spending caps and the budgets and the, and the debt ceiling deal, deal. That's just the restraints on how much we can spend and how much we can borrow. We Congress still has to pass some sort of appropriations bill uh, or omnibus or something else before the end of September when the new fiscal year starts. And it, you know, now that these constraints are gone, you are going to see an insane spenderama one way or the other, whether it's through omni, an omnibus, minibuses, they can actually line, line us, you know, line everything up and send 12 insane appropriations bills up uh, at this point. There, there are no constraints. So just get ready to see that kind of a fight in September. I hate how the Republicans, you, you alluded to it, I hate how the Republicans hide behind the, the military spending increases and stuff like that. It is just, it's just disgraceful. One, I, actually, I don't know, I'm sure you, you probably know off the top of your head, Nate, but like, the military budget is, it's something like 15% of our budget. Like, it's not, you know, a lot of people think it's like half the federal budget or something like that, but it's, it's actually not, not. It's not half. Yeah, it's like um, 14, 15%, something like that. It composes, it composes this is a huge percentage of discretionary spending, and I don't have that number right. off the top of my head. But when you look at total expenditures, including the mandatory expenditures, Medicaid, Medicare, Social Security, everything else, it, it comes out certainly. Yeah, I think you're about right uh, with that. You know, maybe 15 to 20. Yeah, maybe entitlements, not happen, like entitlements are, are 66 percent, two thirds yeah. of, of oh, the yeah. federal budget. That's exactly. just Social Security, you know, Medicare, Medicaid. That That is two thirds. Uh, I just don't I mean, you're right. Nobody has the stomach to, to cut spending. Nobody seems very interested in it. Uh, the American people don't care, and that, that's the thing. Like these, especially look, Democrats always want to blow out spending. I'm not surprised, but like Republicans that campaign on cutting spending and then they they raise spending, I don't. The voters aren't holding them accountable. I mean, like I don't think the electorate cares too much, except for guys like us. Mm. I mean, there's. I mean, the, the, like we we need to. It's something I keep trying to remind people is that yeah, you know, I, I leave. I mean, you, you live in real America. Uh, you know this. You talk to yes. you talk to human beings out in real America on a regular basis. Nobody spends that much that much of their time thinking, you know, like with that at the front of their political thoughts. Like, first off, people don't, you know, being politically informed is a subculture in the United States. We need to accept that. By and large, most people have no idea what's going on in this swamp. Right. Um, aside from, you know, they make it some like the, the page six style news um, about all this infighting. As far as like actual hard policy goes, being informed about that is a subculture in the United States of that subculture. It's just really, really, and I say this as somebody who deeply cares about deficits, the debt, and everything else, and writes about it a lot. I, I you know, it is difficult to get people animated about this now. You know, the 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 Tea Party movement happened because people were fed up with, it and they were actually willing to go. Like, the, spending had people so ticked off, they were willing to get off their butts, get out of their house and go do something about it. We ended up with the Budget Control Act and Republican control of the House of Representatives. I just don't know how to gin that up now. We've gotten so used to being screwed by both parties on spending deals, on the debt. We've gotten used to seeing the, the debt clock keep ticking up and up and up. I think it's just one of the situations where you get used to seeing a problem and 
telling yourself you're going to deal with it later. Meanwhile, I mean, the, the, you know, I'll deal with those cracks in the foundation of my house in the basement at some point. Meanwhile, they're getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And eventually something's going to have to give. Yeah. I mean, the, it's, we're looking at <laughs> not, not too long in, in the, in the future. I mean, I believe social security will be insolvent by 2034. So, I mean, that's, that's 15 yeah. years from now. And it, it basically yeah. already is. I mean, we're, we're essentially taking money from other areas and pumping it into social security. Like it is insolvent yeah. now. It's a bankrupt system right now. And like people, someone, some leader will have to stand up and tell people the hard truth and nobody has the balls to do it, especially not in an election year, um, which I think that's part of the problem too. I mean, these campaigns are too long. I mean, everybody's running for president all the time, right? I mean, Trump, started running for re-election the day he took office. So that's just kind of how the world works. Somebody is going to have to stand up and tell the people the truth. Like, hey, when we instituted Social Security, we set the the age at, at 65 because the average American lived to 63. The average American now lives to 79. So by that metric, by FDR's own metric, by that socialist's own metric, the, the age of Social Security should be 81. Right. Like, I mean, I'm yeah. not even proposing moving it to 81, but at least 70, at least bump it up five years to 70 and give us a fighting chance at, at you know, growing our way out of this process. Like, obviously, we're, we're not going to be able to cut spending our way out of 22 trillion in debt. The only way to do it is to grow the economy and grow our way out. If we don't raise the age on uh, on things like Social Security and, and Medicare, there's not enough time. I mean, there's not enough years left to grow our way out of this before the chickens do come home to roost. Well, you got to grow and you got to cut too. Right. Uh, of course. Um, I mean, yeah, just, just looking at the, the, the disaster, you're going to have to reform, like the, you're going to have to reform the program. You're going to have to cut benefits. You're going to have to, you're going to have to reform the, uh, reform the entire structure on, on the, on a macro level. If we're talking about the, the, the impending explosion of the debt bomb, which results in, you know, all the kinds of horrors we've seen in Greece and other places before, you know, there's absolutely if you run the numbers, if you took if you took the if you took all the wealth from every billionaire in the United States, you'd be able to run the federal government on its current budget for about eight to nine months, somewhere in there. Right. Uh, there's no way to tax out of this, regardless of all the people who complain about the 2017 tax cuts, which is the never ending Democratic talking point on Capitol Hill. There is no we cannot tax our way out of this. We can try. We can get past the point that we can get past the point of economic economic growth on the on the Africa of the point where you know we're just going to tax ourselves into into a stone age economy I mean we saw we we saw the the, the stagnation that came with uh, with increased taxes over you know eight years of Obama you know we can try that again we won't be able to grow we won't be able to tax and we're definitely you know we definitely wouldn't be able, able to cut in that situation there are two ways to deal with this and neither one of those well one of those is beneficial we like growing the economy uh, the other one cutting cutting programs is something that that Washington politicians are almost just fundamentally allergic to. Absolutely. And, and, you know, sorry to my fellow, you know, Republicans and conservatives. I don't want to increase military spending either. I, I believe every department of the federal government should should take a cut, including the military. And I, I want more money to go to, uh, you know, getting the troops, the equipment and, and the training and everything they need. Uh, but we need to audit the Pentagon, too. Like what? what, what they what failed their audit. Exactly. Like what? What fighter jet is they it? Failed that they've their been, only audit. They've been fucking around with what is? Is it the F twenty two for ten years now? It's like yeah. the most expensive program in forever, and it's not even necessary because we already had the F eighteen Super Hornet, which is the most advanced fighter jet of all time ever. So, so the like the the F twenty two is full of with several problems. Uh, the right, the, and then the 
Oh, oh man, the F thirty five. Holy crap! Uh, so we've got all those billions into these projects that are not any closer to an end date than, than they were five years ago. It's like we can cut some of those programs and actually bring military spending down, or at least keep military spending flat and and you know divert some of that wasted money to to programs that are actually beneficial like i don't i do yeah. not buy the republican talking point like oh this is okay so because you know we're, we're giving the troops more money i don't know man like <laughs> the, like you said the pentagon failed their audit so i i don't think yeah. those people need more cash right now either but yeah man this is just bad it's all bad president trump um you know he promised last year when he signed the last you know omnibus spending package that that blew out spending he promised never to sign it again and by all accounts, it looks like he's going to go back on his word there and, and sign this one, which is really disappointing. He's going to sign this, and then we'll get well, you know, whatever comes down as far as the actual appropriations for the next year goes in, in September. We might get another omnibus. We might actually get stuff. Who knows? But th- th- this is just round one of the of the, the widespread just gang screwing that the, the American taxpayer got from Congress this time around. We've got another round set up in September. So get re- it's, it, ready for it. It's it's shameful, man. It's shameful. I mean, imagine if 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 your average citizen could spend the way um, Congress can, like you have a, you have like a, what a one-year-old daughter. Like imagine if, yeah. if you were able to get a credit card in your daughter's name and put a 22 trillion dollars on it. You know, it's like, that's Actually, not how finances work. That's not how spending money works. We're not allowed to leverage, you know, Oh, that, 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 but that's exactly how it works in Washington D.C. And I, I really like that analogy. And I'm, I, I, if you don't mind, I'm, I plan to steal it and use that ad nauseum oh, in the future. Oh, ab- absolutely. <laughs> because that that drives home just how immoral Congress's addiction to deficit spending is. Yeah, it's absolutely like, nobody who actually nobody who actually loves their child would do this to them on an, on an individual level. Yet we have no problem doing this to our to our children and our grandchildren on a widespread societal level it is grossly immoral what we're doing right i mean it's not even it, you're right it's worse than even if you were able to get a credit card in your daughter's name it's like it, uh, maybe a better analogy is you go to a bank and you convince the bank that you are certain that your one-year-old daughter will eventually have four kids of her own and then borrow money against your grandkids or something or something like that like it's it's completely nonsensical but Man, all right. Before I let you go, we got to talk about the big the big news from last week, and I talked about it on, on last Wednesday's show, so we don't need to spend a ton of time on it. But yeah. you know, we we talked about Robert Mueller's horrible, horrible, uh, ooh, egregiously bad performance in front of Congress um, last Wednesday, um, and you know my initial thought was, hey, look, we can all move on. Obviously, the the whole Russia stuff was a hoax. It was all bullshit. We can move on. And uh, most Democrats and people in the media are. Well, some of them are still trying to hang on to, like, you know, Trump's a Russian puppet somehow. I don't know how they're still hanging on to that, um, really grasping at straws. But most most Democrats are just, are happy to say, oh, okay, well, we'll move on. Upon further thought, I'm not ready to move on. I, I'm not ready to move on, man. I, I'm really not. For two years, the Democrats told us that the President of the United States was a Russian plant, which, if true, would have been the biggest news story since the American Revolution. Okay, yeah. I mean, that, that, that's like as big a news story as a world war, right? So one of two things were true. Because remember, the Democrats weren't telling us that Trump obstructed justice. They weren't telling us that Trump was a meanie. They were saying that Trump was Vladimir Putin's Manchurian candidate. So either one, okay. one of two things were true. One, Trump is Vladimir Putin's Manchurian candidate. Or two, 
The entire deep state, the federal government, and the entire corporate press staged an unconstitutional coup attempt to try to unseat a duly elected president of the United States for absolutely no reason. One of those two things are true, and obviously we now know that the second one is true, that the deep state and the entire press and the entire Democratic Party staged an unconstitutional coup attempt to try to unseat a duly elected president. That's also kind of— And they brought a, 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 out of retirement to, to put a respectable <laughs> face on this. Right. I mean, th- this is huge news. I get that journalists get things wrong all the time. I get things wrong on this show. If you call the president of the United States a Russian agent for three years, you don't get to just say oops and move on. No. I mean, these people need to be held no. accountable. This is how republics die, right? I mean, this is this yes. is how you, this is the kind of crap that, that lands you with a banana republic in the long term is when stuff like yes. this becomes normalized. You know, the left lectures us all the time about don't let A become normalized and don't let X become normalized and everything. Don't let this banana republic Soviet style crap become normalized. There's absolutely nothing acceptable about launching partisan investigations against duly elected public officials because you didn't like the outcome of an election. But that's what we had. And, you know, we got we 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 got a lot of that conclusion after the Mueller report came out in the first place. Right. And then we got a whole new level of just what exactly was going on, or at least a whole new a, a whole new picture of what must have been going on on that team, judging by the fact that Bob Mueller didn't seem to all that well comprehend what was in the report with his name on it. No. You know? Yeah, he didn't have Uh, even a basic basic grasp of what was in his own report. I mean, it was was shameful. It came away looking like this this was run by, you know, what was was the president always called them on Twitter, the 12 Angry Democrats? Yeah, 12 Angry Democrats. It looks like this, you know, after seeing the just Robert Mueller's Stumbling all over the place last week, you have no other conclusions to come to. But this was this was actually a completely partisan investigation that was done by people who hated the president and might apparently have just been moderated in their findings on the final report by the guy who actually has to take the heat for all this. Imagine if Fox News and guys like you and I and, and you know, the Blaze and the Daily Wire spent <laughs> three years telling the American people that President Obama was a Chinese Manchurian candidate. Nobody I, would ever believe conservative media again. We would never work again. No. Like, like imagine. Imagine if you and I said that about Obama for three years, that the yeah. Chinese, you know, he's a Manchurian candidate of the Chinese communists. Like, we would never work in media again. The entire staff of CNN and MSNBC and the New York Times and Washington Post and HuffPo and and the Daily Beast, they should all tender their resignations immediately. Like, this isn't just an oops. This isn't I fucked up a little stat or I I got something wrong. I'm fine with people getting things wrong. We're all human. You you tried to unseat a president. Yeah, like they they need to be fired. The entire staff of CNN should be fired immediately. Every Democratic politician. That that parroted this nonsense should resign. Like that, these people should be, and of course they won't. No one will be held accountable. But can you just, just as a thought experiment, everybody listening at home, just imagine if the shoe was on the other foot. I, <laughs> I mean, imagine Rand Paul, you know, go, you know, pushing some communist Chinese hoax about Obama for three years, and and Fox News, you know, parroting it or something like that, like. Oh my goodness! If the shoe was on the other foot, heads would roll. But these people are never going to be held accountable for anything. Holy crap! No, they're not. 
No, they're not. They're going to continue on. And then, and, you know, the, the remaining dwindling numbers of their actual readers and viewers will continue on imagining that, you know, either either clinging to this this lingering conspiracy theory to, to, to fight, despite a complete lack of evidence at this point after, you know, three and a half years of speculation or I mean, at best, you'll have people who say, oh, well, they got it wrong. They screwed up. Oh, well. I don't even know I mean, how many how many dedicated followers of, of legacy of, you know, dedicated followers and readers of, of legacy media outlets at this point are actually going to say that after three years. I, I honestly don't have an answer for that. I don't. Yeah, neither do I. <laughs> neither do I. So, yeah, man, I look I, on some level, like I said, my initial reaction, like, all right, fine, we can finally move on from this. But you should, uh, you know, it's 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 good that. Yeah, it's good that I don't have to talk about the Mueller report anymore. But, man, we still need to try to. Hold these people accountable for what they put the country through, what they put the world through. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, this bullshit affected world markets, right? It, it affected like it affected world markets. It affected people's lives. And, you know, people had to leave jobs. Yes. People had to. To I remember that there were there were people who had to leave their jobs in the administration because they just simply couldn't afford the 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 legal fees associated with having to de- deal with this witch hunt. You know, there there was stuff like that. Yeah. Reputations destroyed, careers destroyed. Uh, I don't know how much they spent. I I don't. Think it was something like thirty, forty million uh, of taxpayer money wasted. The, but at the same time, you say you're not going to let this go. It's good. You shouldn't let this go because the people behind this, the people, the, this was always just a means to an end for for impeachment, right? This is always just the vehicle to get to impeachment. And as we saw, that vehicle is going to keep. It's going to keep going down the road. Regardless of, of how badly Bob Mueller performed, regardless of what conclusions or lack of conclusions were actually in the Mueller report, you know, you saw Friday that the House Judiciary Committee is they're now moving to sue for the protected portions of grand jury information that they weren't al- allowed to make public from the Mueller report. This is going to keep going. You know, Nadler said, you know, we're basically in effect conducting an impeachment inquiry still. You know, this is this is not going anywhere, regardless of how, how the whole thing you know, played out last Wednesday, regardless of. Just you know how bad the thing looks to anybody with an objective set of eyes at this point. This impeachment train is going to keep rolling until they run it into a wall. I, you'd think they'd already hit the wall, right? I mean, I, I, honest to God, don't know where they go from here. Um, obviously, the American people don't support impeachment. You know, half of Democrats don't don't support impeachment. I, I, if you get something so wrong, and it's not even that they got it wrong, they knew they were lying the whole time. I mean, anybody with half a brain knew that Trump wasn't a Russian stooge or anything. But like, when you get something like this so wrong, I, you'd have to think. Look, I know there's uh, the socialist base of the Democratic Party; they're just rabid. I mean, they they just hate. I mean, <laughs> literally, they're they're wild animals with rabies. I mean, they they have the this intense hatred of Trump, so they'll believe whatever the the corporate press and, and the Democrats tell them. But for all moderates, for even center-left Democrats, there has to be some kind of boy that cried wolf kind of scenario going on here. Like, if they come up with some random crazy charge against Trump tomorrow, look, when you lie about the president being a Russian agent for three years, do the, even to Democrats, a moderate or even a, a leftist that is a thinking man, <laughs> a thinking man or woman on the left, the media had to have lost some credibility. The Democrats had to have lost some credibility in, in this process, right? One would think, but we'll have to see whatever the next. We'll, we'll see, let's see what the next development is. I can tell you one thing that the 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 momentum for impeachment in the House kind of slowed down. Right. 
uh, or it kind of fizzled that there were what ten more Democrats who signed on to, to impeachment after the the Mueller he- after the Mueller hearings. Yeah, out of a house uh, congressionally, you know, out of however many in the in, in the House uh, in the House majority, so it went from like ninety one to one hundred and one before and after. That you know, that's not a reversal. You, you can't really expect a reversal on that on that wider scale. But that is a that is a that is a co- significant cooling off of the momentum here. Right. So who knows? Well, we will see what happens next, my friend. We will see what happens. So before I let you go, uh, where can everybody uh, find you online and read your stuff and uh, listen to your show and, and all that good stuff? Okay, so you can find my written pieces at both The Blaze and Conservative Review. Uh, we're putting, I'm putting written stuff up on uh, there every day of the week, or every day of the work week at least. Uh, my show, The Capitol Hill Brief, is on the Blaze TV website and app. Just look for The Capitol Hill Brief. If you want a daily rundown of what's happening in Congress and what your representatives are up to, uh, feel free to go to blazetv.com slash chb. Sign up for my daily morning newsletter. And for up-to-the-minute stuff on my Twitter, it's at Nate on the Hill. All right, everybody check that out, especially the newsletter. It is, is very valuable information um, if you're somebody that you know cares what uh, what laws you're going to be subjected to <laughs> in, in, in the future. So everybody follow Nate. He's great. Um, yeah, man, thanks again for coming on. I, I definitely have to have you on again soon. That's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Wednesday. No gimmicks. Um.